you know, you're your own boss, but at the same time, that means that you're in control of every single aspect and you're going to be there for the highs and the lows, but you've got to see through the lows to get the highs. Hey everyone, welcome to the Self-Employed Journey Podcast. I'm Cami Powell, your host, a self-diagnosed serial entrepreneur, successful business owner, author, and mom. I'm also a student working towards my PhD in business, driven to lead a movement of increasing small business success rates through an epidemic of failures. So each week, I'll be dropping new episodes filled with inspiration, motivation, tips and tricks to help you thrive and survive through the crazy world that is small business ownership. I've lined up some pretty phenomenal guests in a variety of industries that are ready to share their own secrets for running a successful business. Whether you're self-employed or you want to be, make sure to subscribe for updates on new episodes as they're released. Let's do this. Today, we're talking with Sarah and Jillian, and they are owners of Between the Bookends. Jillian is now 14, almost 15, but she started this when she was 13 years old. So her mom is on the phone. That's Sarah. Hi. Hi. So can you guys tell the listeners what Between the Bookends, what is that? What do you guys do? So it's a subscription box for tweens and young kids that has books in it and like lifestyle items it's a book and lifestyle box for kids and we pair books with items that all kind of set a theme and it was created to keep kids interesting in reading for fun i love that what inspired that oh when quarantine started in 2020 obviously schools and libraries and like everything shut down And obviously that means people weren't reading as much because they didn't have access to newer books. So we thought we would start a subscription box that would hopefully get people interested in reading. Jillian, did you come up with this idea on your own or was this kind of a little bit? Yeah, mostly. Okay. So what's really interesting to me is that through the pandemic, there were a lot of shifts in the entrepreneurial. Every business was affected. But then there were new businesses that popped up to take the opportunity of what the changes were happening around us, right? So you recognize like, oh my gosh, there's no libraries. People aren't able to access, you know, they can't afford to go to Barnes and Noble every day and buy a new book. Like, so you really figured out like, oh, look, there's this like opportunity here that may, may work out because people aren't able to go. So that to me is incredible. Because you, you identified a problem and then you found a solution. And that's that's like everything with business. It's like how businesses start, right? Yeah. So, okay, wait. So that was 2020. So we're going to go backwards and we're going to say you were 13 at the time. You're 12. She was well, almost 13. Yeah, I was almost 13. <laughs> about, kind of about the same as now. We're, we're right on the two years. So she was about a month until she was 13, just like she's, well, now a few weeks before she's 15. Okay, so two years. Do you guys know the business like failure statistics at all? No. <laughs> okay, so I am gonna <laughs> say it so that everyone can hear it again, and you guys can know. Like in the first year of business, twenty five percent of businesses go out of business. I don't know about the pandemic. I'm assuming it might have been a little higher because I think that some businesses started not knowing that it was happening and then not making it. By year five, 50% go out of business. And then by year 10, 75% go out. 
So part of the reason why I do these is because the statistics are so bad and so high. I want people to who are thinking about going into business or are in business, learn from those of us who have gone through it. So you're in year two. So you surpassed 25%. So that is a great thing. Good job. And so we're moving towards the five-year mark. Yeah, only eight years to go and we'll we'll be in the top 25%, hopefully. Right. <laughs> Jillian, do you want to do it that long? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I guess I'll probably. Or maybe you'll know. sell it. Maybe you'll end up wanting to do something else. I mean, everything changes as you grow up. So let's start off. This is the question that I ask everyone, but it's a little different for you because you're young. Yeah. <laughs> so let and it, maybe your mom has some stories also, but do either of you have any entrepreneurial stories that through childhood so for Jillian for you like before like when you were like five six seven eight I don't know before you started this where you were doing something to make money like selling magazines door to door or anything I don't know anything that you can think of well I was a girl scout so like girl scout cookies (laughs) yeah that counts did you guys set goals how did that work they probably lead you and guide you through that. I think we did set goals and like, because there are prizes you can win yeah. for how many boxes you sold. So and we had to set a goal of how many we wanted to sell. So yeah. Business is all about setting goals and meeting them and sometimes not meeting them. And so you really have learned some of those lessons early on in life. So how does that, do you think that any of that kind of like rolls forward into the business that you have now? Well, Girl Scouts, cookies and stuff, that's very different than what we do with our business. So I feel like it didn't really, it's not really carrying on to this business from selling cookies to having a business. It's a lot different. Do you ever have hard days in your business where you just want to quit? So we had a a really, really successful first year. Um, I think it had a lot to do with just people kind of, you know, getting all those extra checks and (laughs) and people sitting around and not being able to go out and everything. So we kind of shot farther than we needed to in year two, Mm. where it's been more of a struggle because our numbers, as far as subscribers go, was actually higher in our first year than in our second year. So there's been there's definitely been days that are that are tougher. I don't know if Jillian really feels that mm-hmm. because you know she in the first year like I said we were we were really successful. We were great and she was home all the time because she was doing school on Zoom. So she was here for all the really exciting like our numbers going up every month thing. Um, And I think the second year, they're kind of at a standstill. We're still sending out like 300 boxes a month on our on our ship day. So it's still a lot. But we were we were planning for like twice that much. Right. She's been in school, like physically in school this year. So that kind of has been more of a priority where her attention goes rather than the, the negatives of our business not being as successful as the first year. Yeah. So. This is such a crazy time. Like none of us have ever gone through this. So we're all kind of going through it together. But then I say like every age group is is going through it, but dealing with different things, right? And so as you're at home and you're doing this, that's incredible because you're like, look, I'm going to, you know, fill my time with this, something really cool. And then having it 
go up and spike and be good. But then as life kind of is coming back to whatever this normal is, you see a decline. And so what I'm curious about is, have you guys done any kind of reach out to the customers that are no longer subscribing and asking them why? Yeah, um, we actually have a survey that goes out when people cancel and 90% of them are canceling because of finances, unfortunately, which we understand because, you know, bills are going up everywhere. And unfortunately, especially with schools and libraries and everything back in session, that's not a necessity. We do yeah. still get like a lot of people will get them for birthday gifts or just just because gifts. We get um, Jillian was just saying that a lot of grandparents will get it because it's something they can have shipped to someone that maybe, you know, doesn't live right by them. So we still get plenty of orders. It's just it's different. And we actually we also own a DJ company. Okay. So it kind of filled the void um, yeah. because obviously no one was having parties during the beginning of the pandemic. So we had Jillian's idea to kind of fill that. And now, now that things are sort of kind of back to normal, we're booking parties all the time. And it's like, okay, well, now it's understandable why maybe some people don't need this book box coming to them every month because they're back to, you know, normal life. Isn't that interesting? Okay, that gives me goosebumps in a way because it's like, we've got these two business models that you have. Things are always changing in our economy. The pandemic is just an extreme example of what we've gone through. And you had, you have one company that kind of struggled as others. And then all of a sudden you're like, boom, but let's get this one out there. And that succeeded. But then as things go, kind of go back to normal, it's kind of, have you guys thought about like, as the economy kind of gets back to normal, maybe is there another kind of way to build this up within where we're at now? We've expanded as far as offering different age groups, okay. which that right there kind of, you know, it just automatically opens it up to more people. Even more recently, we rolled out a gender neutral box. So, you know, originally it was Jillian basically made the box for girls like her. So yeah. it originally started as just a tween girl box because that's what she was when she came up with the idea. Now her boxes are, they start at picture books and they go through middle grade novels and they're for boys and girls. Uh, we also offer a fundraising program for schools, which that is great because it's it's so easy. You know, you, you can only buy so many rolls of wrapping paper from your kid's school. So this is great because it's something that maybe parents would want to buy for their kids anyway, but here they can buy it and they can earn a little money for their school, which that obviously wouldn't have been something that we would have come out with, you know, a couple of years ago when we started and, and schools weren't even open. So yeah. that's one way that we've kind of meshed for that too. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So you are kind of trying to adapt to the changes. This is good. This is good. You guys are on a good path. So can you guys walk me through kind of the process of from the idea to launch how did that go it kind of started out with the world just basically stopped and jillian had the idea to read books to kids on facebook that was actually like the first thing so we recorded her she would sit in a chair with our dog 
and she would read one picture book and I was posting it on Facebook to like just our local pages so that kids would be able to hear a story from someone other than their parents who they were, you know, probably tired of by then. That lasted honestly probably like a week. So, you know, there's probably five or six videos of Jillian reading books and it just kind of evolved from there. And she's been an avid reader her whole life. So we have too many books in the house, but she kind of just talked about how some kids probably didn't have any books and what are they going to do when they can't go get new books? And we just kind of brainstormed together and, and figured out a solution and rushed into it way too quickly, but it, it worked for us. <laughs> Can you explain that? What that feels like rushing in too quick? Like what would you do? It sounds like maybe you would have done some things different. I think if it were any time other than April of COVID, you know, honestly, I I don't know if if it would have even happened because our lives would have been so busy that it wouldn't have been a thought in our mind. Yeah. But looking back now, I don't know if we would have changed anything. What do you think? Yeah, I think that it really worked out the way that we did it. I don't think we would be as good as we are today if we did it differently when we started. The only thing I can think of is, so like I said, our first year, we were incredibly successful. We were selling out every month and we were selling out really early each month because we were going up about 10 or 20 subscribers every month. And that's all we allotted for. And then one year into the business, I won't mention my husband by name, but he suggested that we go way up in numbers. And that is the one thing that I absolutely would change if we could go back. Because then we wouldn't be in the place we are now and we would still be feeling incredibly successful rather than kind of breaking even because we've been planning for way higher numbers. Yeah. So I'm curious. Okay. So as people are listening to this, maybe they're not familiar with this type of business structure, but I'm thinking I'm really curious. So you've got probably a lot of inventory on hand. Yeah. Yeah, We have a lot. Okay. And so... How far in advance did you buy your inventory? Like, do you do like three months, a year? Like how much? So like for right now, we're currently planning out August's box. Okay. Just to kind of put in perspective. We're in April and then you guys go and you have like a wholesaler. I'm assuming that you purchase your items from or how does that work? Like, how did you guys figure all of this out? My mind is just blown by people that are like, oh, I want to do this. Okay, how did you do it? Like, how did you figure out where to get this stuff and how to price it and all of that? So we love to put at least one or two small shops in each of our boxes. But we also do get stuff from some wholesalers. Of course, it's pretty cheap to get things from there and they have some pretty good stuff. And for books, we have there's a book wholesale website that we get books from. And a lot of publishers have started reaching out to us and wanting to send books to us to read and see if we want to include them in our box. Mm -hmm. So we do get a lot of things from publishers as well. That's cool. But they still, you'd still have to purchase them at wholesale, right? They would. Yeah. Because like sometimes I, sometimes I wonder with these subscription boxes, if companies ever say, here's a free batch of whatever. Does that ever happen? No, (laughs) that would be nice though. (laughs) I think bigger businesses that happens too, but we're not. Okay. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe it will happen. So <laughs> just going to put that out. Yeah, basically, basically we have, um, we, we can spend X amount of money total right. between books and products for, you know, for each month. So 
generally the first thing Jillian will do is pick the books for it because they're harder to find than the items. So she'll pick the books for it. And that pretty much then sets our theme. And then there's a few different small shops that we like working with that we've kind of built a connection with. So we'll reach out to them and we'll say, hey, this is the theme we're working on right now. Do you have any items that would work for that? And we actually have a lot of shops that will go out of their way to find things specifically to put in her boxes. And then she'll basically look at at the pictures and examples and everything that these shops come up with. And she'll, you know, she'll either like it or she won't like it. And if it's a shop that we've not used before, we will, they'll send us a sample um, just so that she can kind of see the quality of the item and then go from there. That's so cool. So you guys, you're working with local companies? No, we get most of our stuff from Etsy and Facebook. We're in a lot of Facebook groups that are small shops and We'll sometimes ask them if they have any ideas of what we could use from their items. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I'm just really inspired by this story and you guys coming up with this and just sticking with it. So you only have a certain amount to spend because you've figured out what is profitable for selling one box, right? Yeah. Do you think that you would have known to do that had mom, Sarah, not have this DJ company? prior i mean i we we kind of learned together i it's the businesses are so different it's actually my husband is the dj and he actually does all the things on the computer so he deals with pricing for his stuff and everything so jillian and i both kind of went into this very blindly so i mean i i I don't know they're very different businesses like completely different i'm not really sure i'm not really sure if one helped the other I, don't, I really don't think that. that they did. Yeah, like I'm sure I'm, I'm sure just having another business. If you know, if anything, if anything, the box has kind of helped the DJ business because we have to really push like social media and stuff like that for the box, because obviously our target audience isn't really even the people that live right here. So, you know, we're always posting on social media and stuff. And we never really did that for the DJ company. And we started thinking about it. We're like, well, well, why don't we? So (laughs) we've actually gotten better with that. And we've gotten more jobs because of it. So (laughs) the baby company kind of taught the adult company. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. Yeah, it's completely two completely different business models. But you're running a business. You're running two businesses. And so there are similar things. So one thing that pops out to me is like accounting. Did your husband do the books then? Sounds Yep. So he does- <laughs> we are we we pretty much we are the planners slash packers. Okay. And he pretty much computers are not my friend. And Jillian just doesn't have room or, you know, time in her schedule to do that. So maybe in the summer, she'll she'll take over a little bit more when she's got a little more time. But as of right now, how it stands, he pretty much takes care of all the books for both jobs. <laughs> this sounds like like an incredible partnership because you all have different pieces. And I want people to like understand that there's. Oh, yeah, we're, we're like a, an oiled machine over here. We each kind of have our own roles and we wouldn't work. If one part was missing, it it really, it all kind of goes together. And that is something that I teach others when they're starting their business is one, if it's one person, 
then I, then it, I'm pushing for them to find what their strength is and what their weaknesses are and then finding ways to fill those weaknesses because we're all not perfect at everything, right? And so you guys, there's three of you and you've got this working because you guys all understand your role. Right. Do you feel like your roles have changed at all since the beginning? No, I mean, so my husband's definitely hasn't because he never really, he doesn't really come up with, with great ideas. I remember when we first came up with the idea for gender neutral, we're like, oh, good. Daddy can help us think of some things. And it was whoopee cushions every time. That's all that's that's all he told us. So we quickly found out that he has his role and and he will stay in his lane. (laughs) As far as Jillian and I, we kind of bounce back and forth between roles, I think, because we both can pack the boxes. It's just whoever has time does it. And then as far as ideas go in the beginning, she was really doing the work and finding things and doing the research. Now that she's back in school, I kind of do the research and basically narrow it down. And then she picks from what I've found. Yeah. So I would say my role has kind of grown a little bit more. That being said, she always okays the items because I'm old and I don't know. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Okay. So Jillian, if you could give any advice to kids your age that want to start a business, what would it be? I think just to make sure you have a plan of what you want to do and to talk to your parents and make sure you give them like kind of an exact idea of what you want to do so that they're not going to be like, oh, that's cool. And then not do anything about it, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Like you want to sound like you know what you're talking yeah. about. And then for you, Sarah... What, do you have any recommendations? As far as like parents supporting their kids? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at Jillian. If anyone, I don't know if you're going to be able to like put her website anywhere, but it's a legitimate business. And if I would have just, you know, said, oh, that's, that's cute. You like to read and you want, you want other kids to read. That's, that's cute. Then nothing would have ever happened. And we pretty much just, we supported her and we backed her up and we helped her however we could. And it's really turned into this big successful thing that you would never think that, oh, this was just some idea a 12 year old had. And that could be anyone that that could be anyone's kids. They have amazing ideas. (laughs) They really do. They're so creative. And that's the cool thing is like, let's just embrace that and encourage it. As you're talking about this, and I think, oh, well, sometimes it's hard for parents because maybe there's an investment that they can't come up with. Did you, because this is a subscription box, did you guys kind of launch it and get the subscribers before you made investments? Or how did that work? We didn't, but I do know that there are people who in the subscription business do that. They kind of figure out how many subscribers they're going to have first. They'll do like a Kickstarter program or something like that. We didn't. We pretty much had a few hundred dollars. And with that, we were like, okay, this is what we have to spend. So you can make it happen with this or you can't. (laughs) And uh, we were able to make it happen. She only, we only planned for, I think, how many boxes the first month, Jillian? 20, 20, I think. think, yeah. Yeah. So we planned for 20 boxes the first month 
And luckily we sold them and that gave us the money to work for the next month. And early on when our numbers were that low, we, we didn't have to plan out months and months in advance. So right. it was easier. And then as it grew, she had more money to play with. Right. And that's how we were able to just keep going up. So Jillian, do you get a paycheck every month? No. Are you reinvesting in the business? Is that how? Yeah. Cool. We um. When we make money, we basically use it all to um, keep going with the business. That is so smart and also so hard for some people to do. <laughs> so so she kind of, she she sees the best of both worlds because she also will work jobs with us. Yeah. Um, so for like, for DJing, when she gets paid, because we've got like a photo booth and stuff like that too. So when we need an extra person, we'll bring her on and we'll pay her like we would any other employee. So that money she gets to just take because there's nothing that needs to grow with that. Yeah. So she she knows that, you know, at least right now, we we pretty much need to be able to put all the money back into the business. And she understands that. And she certainly gets a lot of um, free samples and things sent to her that I think are (laughs) nice little perks that she wouldn't have anyway. So there's still benefits, even if it's not monetary. (laughs) Right. I think that this is really a good conversation because for people that are maybe not in their teens, but adults and they're starting their own thing and they may be working for someone else collecting a paycheck, but also doing something on the side, realizing that You have to reinvest into your business if you want it to get to a certain point, whatever that point is, whatever the goal. Yeah, like it's really empowering to own your own business and, you know, you're your own boss. But at the same time, that means that you're in control of every single aspect and you're going to be there for the highs and the lows. If you're working for someone else, your paycheck's going to stay the same, whether the company is growing or, or shrinking. You know, they don't really, they just have to pay you what they have to pay you, but it doesn't really give you that room to grow or have control over your own mm-hmm. destiny or whatever you want to call it. But you've got to see through the lows to get the highs. I always say too, there's sacrifices to be made. And so, and part of that is, yes, okay, we're running a company for two years and we're not pulling any money out of it. And there's a sacrifice because I'm putting all this work into it and it may feel like I deserve to get paid, but guess what? By year five, you're going to be getting paid more than what you were getting from your W-2 job, highly likely if you, if you do it right. We kind of laughed about it because our first year, we pretty much have to just ignore at this time because yeah. our paycheck at the end of the year was was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> We had some debts we were able to pay off and we, we had an incredibly successful year and we were obviously like bright eyed and bushy tailed thinking it was going to stay like that. In reality, if we're looking at it more seriously, this year being our second year, as long as we're breaking even, we feel like we're still succeeding and we're currently definitely still breaking even. Um, so we're kind of calling this our first year yeah. because this is more this is more like the first year of real life. I don't really know what last year was. <laughs> I mean, do any of us know? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a blur. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I congratulate you guys on just continuing to go on and kind of try to figure out what coming out of the pandemic 
and continuing the business and breaking even isn't bad. Like, thank God you're not losing money. You're breaking even and then you can grow from there. That is a space where you can go, okay, well, now that we're in this economy and this is what it looks like, you still have a huge opportunity. You have a running business. Do you guys have any goals for the next year? Like, increasing your subscriptions or doing these, you know, getting into more schools or like, are you kind of waiting for the summer to kind of figure all that out? Or we want to get back to selling out so that we're not filling our house with extra inventory. (laughs) I, at least for me, I don't know, Jillian, do you have any, any other goals than that? Yeah, I think that's where (laughs) we have to get rid of all the stuff we have. So we still pack the boxes. So even if we're only selling 300, if we've planned and bought the inventory for 400, we're still packing 400 boxes. And then we have a shop on the website where you can purchase just single boxes, which people do. Because the exciting part of a subscription box, you know, is you don't know what you're going to get. It's all a, a surprise. Yeah. And a lot of people like that. It's enticing. But then there's also a lot of people who don't and they want to know exactly what they're getting, exactly what they're paying for. So that's beneficial for them that they can then go in the shop and just buy the ones that they want. They're more expensive than the subscription. So it's kind of like, you know, you have to pick what's more important to you. So they, they do sell and those are all just profit for us at this point since everything in there is paid for. But yeah, I would think our our biggest goal within this next year is to just kind of sell all our extra stock and start getting closer to selling out our subscriptions and lowering our numbers to be more reachable. (laughs) Oh, that's a good actually. I've never heard that before. So like making your goals more attainable, I guess. Attainable. Yeah, attainable. So it's like I've heard this. Someone else has said this where you set this crazy goal. But what it is, is you may, I think it was Grant Cardone. I don't know if you've heard of him or seen him, but like you set this goal and then if you hit 80%, oh my gosh, that's incredible because you're going and you're trying so hard. But I do, I do see the value in kind of bringing it down a little bit because the feelings that you guys were having in year one, the like, oh my gosh, the success of meeting that or exceeding it fuels you for the next chapter, right? Yeah. And so there's a couple of ways to go about, but I do think that kind of bringing that down because what you guys have going on is this inventory thing where you're holding it. Yeah. We're, we might, we might not run out of money, but we will run out of space eventually. (laughs) We've actually finally officially lowered our numbers starting with the July box. So we're not there yet as far as like actually packing and sending out. But as far as purchasing inventory, we are purchasing for less now, which is is nice because it's less money going out and it ends up making our profits higher, even though right now we still have a lot of boxes. It's really complicated. I never knew what went into the subscription box business, even though I used to buy boxes for Jillian when she was younger. Owning them is it's a lot different than just kind of having a product that you make and selling it. There's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot. And so do you guys track your time or anything? Like as far as wanting to pay ourselves kind of? Well, not wanting to pay yourself, but I always think long-term, say in four years, like you guys are so busy that like you need to hire someone or next mm-hmm. or something. 
But to kind of grasp an idea of how long does it actually take to package 300 boxes? So right now, we kind of spend the whole month packing because honestly, with Jillian in school, the majority of the packing is done by me, which is why I'm excited for summer to get here. (laughs) Um, But if I'm just packing and I don't have anything else to worry about, I can get the boxes packed in about a week. So it's not super time consuming. It's definitely where our numbers are at right now. It's it's doable. We've actually kind of done the math. So my husband also works construction. And the first step would be for him to not work construction anymore and to work packing the boxes full time. Oh. Um, if, if we reach those numbers, which that's like our, our big goal because construction is hard on the body. <laughs> yeah. So that's like that. I don't know if Jillian really cares that much about that, (laughs) but I care. That's that's my big goal to get to be able to have our our two personal businesses support our lifestyle. Yeah, that is a great goal. And I think that it just sounds like you have the right mindset. And then Jillian, the creator behind it, which you're just going to be learning more and more as you go being a business owner and all of the challenges that come with it, but like pivoting when it's necessary. I mean, you're just going to keep going and figuring out what that niche is to be able to survive if you want to. Yeah. Do you guys have anything that you would like to say to listeners, anyone that is trying to maybe start a subscription box, any recommendation? I mean, I, I have a lot of advice. I'd be more than happy to answer questions i don't know if i can think of anything on the spot oh jillian apparently does i have a solid idea before you jump into something i guess actually that's that made me think of something so at least if we're specifically talking about subscription boxes you'd be blown away with how many there are and how many different types there are we're lucky that there actually aren't very many for the age group that Jillian originally focused on. So I think that's why we kind of took off so quickly. But in the past couple of years, I've seen a bunch of people try to start them and they, you know, they're all excited in the beginning and then they just kind of lose steam halfway through because they're not getting sales. But at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many beauty subscription boxes that people can hear about. And unfortunately, there's a lot of really big ones. So if you come out with a new one, people aren't going to find you or they're not going to necessarily want to get yours. They're going to want to get one that everyone's heard of and, and it has good reviews and everything. So my advice specifically for subscription boxes is you really just want to you want to find what is going to make you unique and then just really, really, really focus on what makes you unique, what makes you stand out from all the other ones, because that's where you're going to get your customers, the person who wants that specific thing that the other companies don't offer. I love that. That's the perfect advice. So before you guys launched, did you do kind of a market assessment to see or did you learn later after you already launched that there weren't very many in your niche? We looked and they're really, as far as I know, at least from what I was able to look up online and stuff, 
there weren't any boxes that were specific to the age group that Jillian wanted to focus on. There's, of course, like a whole bunch of book boxes for adults and for kids, but there really weren't any for that specific age group. And then not only that, so her box, it's books and lifestyle items. So the items that she includes is more like bath and body items or for the girl boxes, she'll sometimes include like jewelry and, you know, all age appropriate stuff. But it's not just like specifically book items if that makes sense the book subscriptions that are out there it's like you'll get the books and then you'll get maybe like a journal or you'll get a bookmark you'll get like it's all book related her box is more fun like hey here's a bunch of fun things but you have to read this book so that your parents keep buying it. <laughs> yes. Which is true. I mean, we have, it's it's so funny because we'll get emails and things from parents thanking Jillian for putting these boxes together because the items are so fun that the kids will read their books because they want to keep getting the items. <laughs> so it's like mission accomplished. <laughs> I love that. And I think some parents might, I'm thinking of myself, like if I were to order this for a young child and I would say, you don't get to play with those fun items until you read the book. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like a happy meal. You've got to yeah. eat the food before you get the toy except you're reading the book. <laughs> Yeah. And there's huge, you know, statistics on the more kids read, the more, you know, there's just a ton of stuff on. I don't know if you have that on your website or anything, but I think reading is so important for. Yeah. And I mean, and especially now in like the times with everyone having phones and computers and all this screen time, it's nice to be able to have something to look forward to that isn't a new video game or a new app on your phone. It's like you're your kid is excited to get a new book in the mail. And that's just, you know, you can't put a price on that. Everyone wants their kids to read. I love that so much. Where can people find you guys if they want to subscribe? The website is between the bookendsbox.com. And even if they just want to kind of follow along on her journey, you can find between the bookends box on social media on Facebook or Instagram. And Jillian posts um, like book reviews and behind the scenes, little spoilers of the boxes that we are packing. So any support is great. (laughs) That's awesome. So everyone go follow, follow along on this journey with your new business. Thank you both Sarah and Jillian for sharing your story. 